You're listening to the Carry on Friends podcast, episode 44. Welcome to the Carry on Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed-Brown. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. I'm so excited that you're listening. Today's guest is Jesse Owens II, and Jesse is a senior product manager at MasterCard. And I met Jesse a few months ago at a Caribbeans in Tech and Entrepreneurship meetup, and we got to talking, and I thought he'd be a great guest for the show. Now, when I first just decided to outline the podcast, you know, I thought it was going to take a more inspirational angle and it does to a certain degree, but Jesse ended up giving so much information about his career and how he ended up being a senior products manager at MasterCard that I instinctively knew that the topic of the show would be the importance of being strategic about your career. And I'm so excited about the episode and for you to listen to the episode because what Jesse ultimately says in the episode supports what I've been passionate about with Carry On Friends, which is, you know, understanding your competitive advantage, leveraging that to be more successful either in the workplace or in the entrepreneurship ecosystem. I don't want to give too much of the interview away. I do want to warn you, though, we had a bit of a technical difficulty during the recording of the episode. And so the sound quality isn't what it usually is, but I know you'll still enjoy the episode, so I won't keep you waiting any longer. Here's my interview with Jesse. Hello, Jesse. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me, Carrie. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jesse. Let the audience know who you are, which island you're representing, and all that good stuff. All right. Well, my name is Jesse Owens II. No relation to the runner, <laughs> um, although I do have a sports track football background um my parents uh well my mother's side of the family is from tortola british virgin islands uh, and my father is from monroe louisiana so as you can imagine i have a bit of a caribbean american background where i was raised in the united states but i have strong ties to the caribbean um as well as the south um and also uh, i grew up in virginia beach virginia uh, where my parents were stationed in the military. Uh, so I have a bit of a military brat uh, experience moving to different locations and uh, meeting different people along the way. Um, fast forward to um, present day, I'm, you know, I'm residing in New York City, uh, specifically Harlem, um, and I'm a senior product manager at MasterCard. That's like a lot going on there. So you have the strictness of a Caribbean parent and a, per a parent from the South and you've been in the military. So I can only imagine what it was like growing up. So um, tell me a little bit about what it means or what do you do as a senior product manager um, of digital payments at MasterCard? What is that job about? I would, I would just uh, encapsulate it with a, a product manager has to research, validate, and deliver products to market mm -hmm. um, to enhance the consumer experience. And specifically with digital payments, um, we're focused on a product um, that, that me and my team works on called MasterPass. And MasterPass is a digital payments product that allows consumers to transact online, in-store, as well as through their mobile app. Um, with addition to that, adding in 
uh, some of the security features that you may see on chip cards um, and making that a part of the payment experience um, to to further extend our brand um, as MasterCard is being the, the leader in payments as well as uh, securing consumer information. That's awesome. So tell us, how did you end up in this role? What, what was the path to being the senior product manager at MasterCard? That is an excellent question. Um, it, was, uh, it wasn't a, a clearly defined path how I got into product, uh, but I'll just take you back to uh, upon graduating from undergrad. So I received my undergrad at Norfolk State University with a degree in computer science. Um, soon after that, uh, I began working at J.P. Morgan as an engineer in their asset management line of business. So I spent some time as an engineer, and it was a great experience. Um, and you really uh, appreciate uh, how finance works um, globally, uh, working working on the tech side of things and supporting uh, numerous trading desks globally. Uh, and then I started to um, – so that was around 2007, and then – you know, 2008 happened and, you know, this was a essentially a global collapse of the economy. So this this was a, a, a interesting point in time where, you know, a lot of folks were displaced. Um, a lot of downsizing was happening. But because I was very young, you know, I, I felt like that was an, a, an incentive to keep me around because I was so young. And then that I was um, felt like I was fairly proficient. Um, in the technologies. And so continue on my path um, as an engineer. And so fast forward, I, I transitioned into a, a role as a technical business analyst in the investment bank, uh, where I was working in securities lending uh, and working with our developers, our, our program managers, as well as our executives on defining requirements, how we want to rebuild our existing securities lending system uh, because we were on a very old technology and we wanted to be on a, a platform that was a bit more scalable and something that was more maintainable uh, for for the uh, the sort of functionality that we want to build into the new product. Um, so at that point, I was I was about five and a half years in uh, in my career, and I really had a strong desire of being. Being in a in a role or being in a culture where, you know, we were very kind of scrappy, innovative, really moving with the market, um, and really being on a product that was truly consumer facing. Because uh, a lot of the products I was working on at J.P. Morgan, it was very internal, and my customers were traders or program managers, um, so I didn't really get a chance to really uh, build products that. Actually, I'm actually able to see uh, in the market and consumers actually using it and, you know, getting some consumer sentiments on those products. Uh, so started looking around, started looking at what sort of role would uh, would be uh, conducive for the sort of experience I wanted to have. And I wanted I definitely wanted to stay on the technical side and I wanted exposure, you know, from a business perspective. And then also I had a desire uh, to be in product design. Um, so, you know, just doing my research online, then I come across, you know, product management. And clearly I don't have the experience right now to, you know, to start interviewing for product management roles because I like, you know, some of the business acumen as well as some of the product design. 
Uh, so what I did at that point, and this is around 2012. Uh, and so what I wanted, so what I started to do was um, I self-taught myself uh, iOS programming and UX design. Uh, started taking some courses online. Started um, then there was also some courses offered uh, through the uh, Stanford School of, uh, I believe, it was entrepreneurship. Uh, well, it was it was courses offered at Stanford. So started building out my product, and my product was actually it was a uh, it was a it, and this was before this was pre Instagram pre Snapchat. So I built. I was building a product that allowed users to take pictures, um, and you're you're able to view events based on proximity. Um, and the app was called Piction, and it was myself and a couple other my friends that we wanted to build a an app where you know young professionals can get a preview of the event before actually committing to the event. Um, you know how oftentimes you you know, you get these invites to parties and then the party's going on and then you don't really know what's, you know, what's going on at the party until you actually get there. So this kind of gives you a sense of, uh, it, it's, it curates the, the event experience into a single, um, into a, a, a single uh, user interface that consumers or uh, users of the app can get a view of the event without actually being there. Um, and so with that, uh, I began uh, using that as my way of pitching my, my skill sets of being a product manager to the point where, you know, I'm going to meetups and I'm just talking to strangers, just, you know, hailing people on the street, just getting their feedback on the idea and the, the experience that we would want to build uh, for this product. Uh, so we was going through the mechanics of uh, building a product where we were, you know, building out prototypes, getting early validation, iterating over the feature set, and then demoing features, or sorry, demoing the product at uh, various uh, forums, at meetups, or at events, and getting feedback uh, from that perspective. So that allowed me to sort of hone in on some of the core skill sets that is required to be a product manager, uh, which led me to uh, a conversation that I was in. Uh, at a meetup with a co-founder of an education tech startup um, called Imagine Easy Solutions. Um, so I spoke with the co-founder, conversation went well, and to my, it was my thoughts that, you know, they were just interested in the the product and just wanted to learn more about it. So they invited me to their office and, you know, I, per, you know, I presented a demo in front of the co-founders and as well as the engineering teams and sales marketing. Um, they really loved the, the product uh, and, that ultimately led to a job offer on the spot. Um, and this was something that was totally unexpected uh, because, you know, I was just going there just to, you know, just to demo what I had built up to the po- up to that point. Um, and then I was offered an opportunity. And because it, it really aligned on where I wanted to uh, take my career, uh, I definitely had to, you know, definitely had to take advantage of that opportunity. And that was my that was my introduction into product management as far as my first opportunity being in that role. So you just said a whole lot. And normally I'm like, I'm, I, I was busy writing because I love oh. everything <laughs> that you said because, and I, and I just want to unpack it because I was like, yes, 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 yes. 
All right. What made you realize that, you know, because I understand working in your for internal customers versus, you know, external, you know, clients who are going to use the product is very different. So what was that one thing that said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to work on products that I can see people use in the market. What was that for you? Well, so for me, it was really, uh, I want to be able to tell a compelling story um, when, you know, and for me, I'm very like introspective. So I'm always looking at, you know, what at every role that I'm in, I want to want to be able to understand what's the story I want to be able to tell uh, once I'm done with this experience. And 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 also, I, I have to be honest that during, you know, during 2008 and, you know, the, the years after where there was a lot of, you know, financial distress and a lot of people, you know, you know, being out of jobs, out of homes, it really made me start thinking about, you know, how else can I help given my skill sets? Um, and is it working in finance or is it working or is it really building products that actually delivers value to the everyday, uh, the everyday consumer, the everyday user? Uh, and so I wanted to really be able to tell a story and I wanted to, and at that point, I was thinking about, all right, if I was to leave finance, what are three things or three sort of problems that I want to have an impact on? And at that point, it was education, uh, music, and healthcare. And so I think that's very important when you're thinking about making a transition is identifying what sort of problems you want to solve once you leave a particular industry or a company and making sure that aligns with your own personal goals, um, because those are those are three uh, sort of avenues that I'm very passionate about. And so it just so happened that education happened to come up um, in my uh, in my transition, where um, that's how I was able to land the uh, product management role at the education tech startup. Because I truly feel that education is the uh, is the key for long longevity for um not only for professionals but also for children parents just anyone that's you know if we're existing um i feel like education is something that's paramount um and so it just so happened and i was just blessed to have the opportunity to work in education and delivering solutions to help with the research and information literacy for high school and college students so uh, that was essentially my role at Imaginative Solutions was to uh, build products and solutions to address those uh, those pain points uh, in regards to uh, research and information literacy. So what I heard was the first thing you did was um, you, which is which is which is kind of something that everyone really needs to understand, right? In a changing economy, especially you were in finance. You need to you needed to figure out how to diversify your skill set because if you were creating you know products for internal teams and a financial company and you know the the economy is going kaput you know there's not much right. to ensure that you still have a job versus where if the product is consumer facing you have a better chance of maintaining a role because consumers will still buy things that they like enjoy or will need to use in their everyday life so that was that was so that was so key and that's what i picked up in that and i i tell 
people all the time, diversify your skill sets and you are strategic in identifying the areas that you and you you really enjoyed and to find you you did the research to figure out where your your deficiencies were and try to fill you know you know fill that gap by doing the research and doing all the work so you're you're like answering questions that i had like way down in the interview so it's it's really amazing how you know you can, you can, you can plan your career. And I think the challenge people have is that in the direction you took, it doesn't mean that it's in months. It, I, don't, I don't know how long it took. Maybe you could tell me that. What was the time between, okay, hey, I don't want to do, I want to work on consumer products to actually building your app, getting the job at the, the tech startup to now that you are at MasterCard. That's about what, like, uh, five, six years? Yeah. And so it's understanding that the journey to the the career path that you're going for, it's not an overnight thing. It's going to take intention, planning, some continuing ed certificate course. And um, the, the other thing you talked about here is, you know, making those connections. So going back a little bit, you mentioned at the very top of the conversation, your mix of the Caribbean background, your parents are from the South, you're an army brat. In, in all of this navigating through your different roles, how, what role did culture play, you know, the culture in terms of your Caribbean culture, how you were brought up and, you know, just how, you know, just being in the military, how did that affect you in terms of settling in or how did that help you approach um your career transitions wow uh so my culture background is is one of hard work and perseverance you know both my parents did not come from wealthy families um so you know hard work was definitely something that was uh amplified uh in my family um, because nothing is nothing's given to us, um, as my parents like to um, was they were they were very adamant on, you know, if it's something that you truly want, you know, you have to work hard for it, and really knowing what you want, and then just being very being very steadfast in your pursuit to achieve that. Um, and with my family, like they were very blue collar, um, where. You know, my my grandfather's, you know, he's a well-known fisherman on the island. You know, my, you know, and my father's side of the family, you know, they used to work out in the fields, you know, picking cotton. So that's very humbling, um, just knowing like where my family's from and the sort of work that they had to put in to achieve the monetary success that they're able to experience. Uh, so for me, what how that resonated to me as a as a child growing up is that like I, I don't want to disappoint, you know, my family or my culture because of my lack of hard work. And that was something that, you know, you can tell me that I, you know, I probably need to improve. I may probably not be the most articulate. I may not be the most, uh, I may not be the brightest, uh, so to speak. But one thing that you will, I would make sure that, you know, that I was the hardest worker. And, yeah. and so, and with that renders a lot of value as well because because you're able to outwork your your peers you're able to identify opportunities for yourself that you can ultimately improve 
And so for me, I had a mentality of I always want to feel like I'm in a mode of constant improvement. And I'm so I'm always self-reflecting on myself on what can I improve on. And it it all it all correlates to the the hard work that was infused in me growing up as a child. And that's you know, that's evident now. Um, even the stage that I'm at in my career, I'm always trying to identify areas of improvement and doing self-reflection and always trying to collect feedback uh, from uh, people that I work with, even my friends, family on things that I can do better, because I always feel like you're always in a mode of constant refinement. Love that. You said something earlier, which I think a lot of Caribbean um, children, I'm still a child. I, you know, I have a mom, so they'll, you'll always be a child, even though if you're an adult, mm-hmm. it's all, it's, it's never wanting to disappoint them because you, you really know what they had to go through, where they're coming from. And you know, you, you, you know that their hopes and dreams and all the hard work was, was to, was put into you. And so instinctively we, we are working not just for ourselves and to survive, but I think I can, at least for myself, for a very long time, I never did anything for myself. I did it for them first. And I considered myself after. It was just like, all right, I'm doing this because, you know, and, and it's it's a double-edged sword because after a while you tend to, at some point you have to say, well, I kind of have to do things for myself. But the fact that we do it for them first is or or a drive for excellence, regardless of what we do. So I really I'm really glad you said that, because sometimes I feel it's just me. But you saying that just just reminds me that, you know, we might come from different islands, but we, we all have that thing where it's like we're doing this for our parents because, you know, we know how far they're coming from. So. Really, really amazing. All right. So Jesse, I'm going to go back a little bit because, oh my God, you you said so many amazing things. I need to go back and unpack that a little bit. All right. Uh So I'm going back to the story where you transitioned and how you mapped everything out and the three things you identified. Let's talk about Piction. How long did it take you to develop the app, build it, and are you still building apps? Tell us a little bit about that. So, Piction into fruition. Um, it was myself and two other two other friends of mine. You know, we were, you know, just talking about the idea, and we felt like it would just be a cool app um, for uh, not only uh, young professionals in New York City, but we felt like this would be applicable to any metropolitan area that has a a, a vibrant uh, a vibrant you know event uh, social scene. Um, so we were, you know, thinking about the idea, and and so I'm in the, you know, I'm I'm in my process of uh, attempting to make a transition. So uh, this was something that we were working on over weekends, you know, sometimes late nights, um, and so I guess the the time that it took, and so just to preface this, uh, so the the app never made it to the app store, um, but what we did, we had a prototype that we were um, in refinement. Um, to bring to market, um, but what was uh, what uh, what was apparent was when we were demoing the product. Um, one of the main questions is, and, and I think the the issue is, is that this product, um, being that it we're in New York, and New York is a very um, in terms of startups, New York is very stringent on you know funding um, startups that 
doesn't have a clear like revenue stream. Um, whereas in other lo- in other locations in the U.S., you know, there's you know you hear startups get these valuations, and you're still trying to figure out what's the business model. Um, so we were we were constantly trying to uh, figure out like what's the you know what's the business driver of uh, Piction. You know, as far as what the the use cases, you know, we had valid use cases for the product, um, but it it came to a a point where uh, we, we just, we were unable to sort of determine what would be the, the revenue drivers for an application like this. And given that we're, you know, we're basically on the heels of the, you know, the Instagrams, it was, it was hard to really drive preference to this application when you have Instagram in the market. And, and at that point we were, you know, we all felt like it was a great idea. Um, but we we also had other interests as well, um, and so we just decided just to you know put the project or the product on on pause. But we basically used an entire year to go through that whole process of developing the product, getting the validation, you know, putting together our pitches and showing up at different events and collecting feedback. And ultimately, what uh, what occurred is that you know we essentially we were able to understand where this product had fit and where, where it, it was able, where our product um, sort of lacked in terms of what is some of the business viability of this product. And so uh, at the end of the day, we, you know, we, we all realized that and it was just a situation where we definitely enjoyed the experience because it was something that was very uh, impactful for, you know, for all of us just going through that whole process um, and then, you know, just getting that, that validation that, and, and sometimes you need failures to, to really help refine your way of thinking on building products and how you approach, uh, developing products. And so that was something that definitely resonated to me. And then at the end of the day, we, you know, just decided not to pursue the product anymore. But, uh, through that experience, I was able, well, we were all able to, you know, build out those mechanics of, uh, developing products. I I can imagine that this experience was really a foundation for you in terms of the your the, your current role and understanding going through that year of building out the program, you know, understanding use cases and how people interact with it. So I'm you know, like you said, you know, this one year while the it never made it to the app, you know, you failed up because you use that experience to springboard you into giving you more insight as a senior product manager. The other thing, though, for I think the previous um, site meeting site, the Caribbean, Caribbean in Tech and Entrepreneurship meeting, someone there was a there's a group of um, gentlemen. I can't remember their names. They have an app. It's not a picture, but it's called the WIM app, and it's the 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 concept is so similar. Um, you were able to see into parties and all that good stuff. And they did a pretty decent demo and that might be getting a little traction. Um, so, you know, you, you were really a pioneer. It's just that, um, I think now, I think we might be maturing in terms of different, different revenue streams or how you could generate that. So, um, that's also part of it, you know, cause when you probably did this, you know, people are looking to more traditional revenue models versus a mixture of um, 
um, rewards or sponsorship or um, not sponsorship ads and so but again I'm sure this experience was just like really an insight because because of this experience you ended up landing the role at the edtech startup so that was exciting so tell me did you have any obstacles that you had to overcome in the workplace culturally academically what were some of the things you had to deal with uh i would say i'll just start uh with my transition into from undergrad to jp morgan uh there was there was a bit of a culture shock for me um a, just being from Virginia and moving to New York. But then it's also like meeting um, meeting the analyst class at J.P. Morgan and just really, uh, really having a moment where, you know, wow, we have all these kids from all these prestigious universities. And then, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the only one from a HBCU. And so that, for me, it, it, it motivated me and it sort of challenged me to make sure that a, the the hire wasn't in vain, and I'm just not a, you know, I'm just not like a the diversity mark that you know the the institution made. Um, but I'm also a, but I'm also a person that's delivering value, um, and I wanted to outperform my peers, and so that in itself allowed me to try to understand what are some differentiations that I can display on a consistent basis from my peers that that makes it very evident that you know they made a great decision on me um so that was just that was just my perception going in and then actually working um there was the cult, there was a bit of a culture shock with the lack of diversity in my group um because you know, essentially I was the only African-American in the entire organization or in that particular division. So that, that presented some, you know, some social, um, some social issues where, you know, I was, I was trying to identify, you know, either, you know, my mentors or either try to connect with my peers and trying to just connect on a personal level. And so those were some challenges, but, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm able to, adapt well just given my military background and having to adapt to different environments and cities um, and making new friends. So this was a very common place that I've been in. Uh, so that was uh, that was a challenge, but I was able to overcome it just because I was able to apply those same skills that I had to uh, I had to hone in on as I was moving as a kid, moving to different cities and making new friends at different schools. So it was the similar situation. Um, and I would just say from a tech perspective, uh, I feel that uh, the, the technology itself was a transition because, you know, we're going from undergrad where we're building like small projects to now you're working on like enterprise applications and, you know, people jobs are on the line if things go wrong. And so it's that, that sort of pressure that goes into it as well. So, um, it's, it, it definitely, there was a period of time where I was super, super paranoid of, um, doing something wrong. Um, and it being a reflection of, you know, where I went to school. And so, 
I felt like I was not only representing myself, but representing my university and anyone African-American that that they even think about hiring. So I wanted to put on my best self uh, as I walked through the doors uh, at J.P. Morgan. What key lesson you learned about success or managing your career? What was the key thing that you learned that you feel has contributed to your success? So it's interesting. Thinking about the question, um, there's a book that I would highly recommend. It's called Drive, written by Daniel Pink. And one of the key tenets uh, around the book is uh, identifying what drives people and what motivates people. And it's a great book for not only for um not only for individual contributors, but also people in leadership. And one of the key tenets it focuses on is autonomy, is having autonomy of your work and being able to make decisions. Purpose, like working on things that's very purposeful and that you can actually see value in. Um, And then there's mastery of skills. Um, And it's basically just honing in on the the, the things that you care about and working working on projects and products that allows you to refine your your toolkit and I really feel like wherever I went went I felt like I was at my best when I was able to operate at a at a high level across those three facets um, so that's how I'm able to determine success um, at a company um, but just generally speaking um, I value success also in the relationships that you build along the way um, because it's it it goes beyond just doing a great job. Um, it goes beyond like oh I wrote this you know this you know I wrote this awesome code, but you need to be able to understand the psychology that goes into building relationships and understanding what motivates others and what's what's driving other people uh, within the organization and. If you're in a, depending on, if, especially if you're in a uh, customer care role where you're, you're managing expectations across different constituencies, understanding what's driving their metrics or what's driving their performance and how you're, you play an integral part in that, I think is very important. Uh, finally, I'll just say that, you know, success always comes with a price. So, I would say with success, you have to be prepared with the responsibility that comes with your success. Um, Point being is that when you, uh, it's it's like the saying goes, it's always appreciate where you're at, but never lose sight of where you want to be. And so that being said, you want to be able to be um, appreciative of the space that you're in, but also have the, have the, uh, the clarity that once you do uh, ascend in your career, there's going to, there's going to come with more responsibility. So um, that's definitely things to take into account. Once uh, you obtain uh, different levels of success is that much is going to be expected out of you and you have to be prepared for that and know how to navigate uh, those conversations and, and build those or sorry, manage those relationships um, with the people that are um, invested with uh, what you're doing. Man, the thing that I'm going to point highlight here, which I think is a challenge, it's, it's one of the things I talked about um, at the, the last um, site meeting, and you just touched on it. 
you know, the psychology of the relationships that you build at work, because typically, you know, we are loners, we stay by ourselves, Caribbean people, they don't talk up much, not all of us, but you know, generally, but -hmm. understanding the value of those relationships and why you want to have those relationships and understanding that those relationships don't mean, you know, oh, we're best friends, but it's important that if you're working with these people, at least eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, you know, cultivating a relationship because, you know, you, you, there's a certain level of success you want to attain and understanding that your coworkers will be part of you being able to attain that success. You can't do it alone, you know? Um, so I, I really, really like that. And the, the name of the book is Drive by Daniel. What was the last name? Daniel. Pink? Yes. Okay. Definitely add that to my list. And I love the other thing that you said, you know, be prepared for the responsibility, you know, of success, um, you know, you and, and appreciating where you are, but never losing sight of where you want to go. I just love that. Um, it is it is really key um, for us to be very strategic about our career, the direction it has to go and taking understanding that when you when you are strategic and you do plan, you know, it's going to take some time, but if, you know, and, and part of that too, when you do plan, you have to have a little sway room in that plan because, you know, different things might come up. Um, but so that, that's such, such an amazing lesson. And thank you for this book. I love reading books. So thank you. I'm, I'm going to add it to my phone in a few minutes. So, (laughs) so, all right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received when it came to your career or personal life? You know, as you're going out, as you're going through life, I would say, look how you can add value to others' lives, um, because that's where you start to see the. That's when you start seeing the success and recognition come into fruition. When you're you're being a Basically, you're 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 being a a servant, not necessarily like you're submissive, but being able to look up around and below you to see how you can add value in someone else's life. Um, and so, I take that from a personal perspective because I'm very adamant about mentoring, and mentorship, and you know, and per, and just giving my time and energy to uh, people who aspire to get into tech. But if we're talking about in the workplace. If I'm if I'm walking around and I see someone working on a particular project and I'm and I've identified a way of how they can, you know, better optimize, you know, their, you know, their their productivity or increase their productivity. Rather, uh, I would want to share that information with them so that they can do their job better so that we can all come up together. So and with that, it it's it's an incentive for them to to sustain that relationship with you because you've done something for their life or you've done something in their role or their job to allow them to be more proficient. Um, and so I've, I would point to that as that was one of the, the, the key uh, advices that I've gotten early in my career. And it's, you know, proven to uh, do very well. And I, and I think it's, and it can apply to your personal and your professional life. That's an amazing advice because um, it's not so much what you can get is what you can give. And in, in the 
in the process of giving, you're also receiving. Um, there's this amazing thing that happens when you help other people. You are you also benefit just by the behavior. I feel excited when I help other people. It's just you know, it's just like wow, you know, not for me, but it's it's the feeling is just I I can't explaining. It's like seeing someone else um, happy or they have joy or I've helped them with a situation seeing how much better they feel or how much, like you said, more productive or more successful, that brings me joy. So um, it, it's, you know, in church, they call it, or I guess in, that's where I hear it most, it's called servant leadership, right? You're in a leadership role, but you're you're serving others in their, um, their pursuits if you are able to give them resources to help them advance in their pursuits. So I I do agree with that and I do enjoy that. And thank you for, you know, sharing that because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to, you know, jobs that people think are like around social work or people, you know, even in the tech industry, in any industry, it doesn't matter helping people before, you know, putting, you know, their needs, you know, before yours and ultimately just doing it just because you really want to goes a long way in helping each other grow. So very, very excited you said that. All right. So what's the final takeaway that you would like the audience to know about Jesse Owens and just just anything you want to share? What's the what's the one takeaway that people should have from this interview and from managing or navigating their careers? It it didn't come easy for me. Uh, I came from humble beginnings. Um, and I, I had to be humbled in order to come to some of these realizations that I mentioned earlier in this in this interview. Um, I, I didn't have uh, the most humility uh, gr- growing up uh, as a kid. I would just say from a humility perspective, I definitely needed some work around that. Um, I definitely had a great foundation with my family, um, but I definitely needed some uh, some life lessons to experience in order to really appreciate some of the lessons that my parents were trying to convey to me. Um, and I had some of those, uh, just dating back to high school, um, where, uh, I going into my senior year, I had a 1.7 GPA and, you know, and still thinking that schools were still trying to pursue me. Um, even though I was, you know, a fairly decent athlete. Um, and so I had to go through that humbling experience, just, uh, going through that, the, the, the constant stream of rejections from college institutions, and then given an opportunity to attend a four-year institution, but being in remedial classes. And it, it, it was very, it was very, uh, inspiring for me to, and also it was, it was a very reflective moment that I had that there, there needs to be some changes in my life. And, I need to do it now um, because there, there, there could be some consequences if I don't apply myself. So um, just to give that sort of background, but um, just a little bit about me, I'm, I'm a very, uh, I think my journey is a, is a journey that speaks about perseverance. And also it's one that I want to share my story with others. um, And also I want to help bring others up um, because you know, getting into tech and sort of navigating through your careers and, you know, understanding the, the, some, some of the social, 
uh, the social dichotomies that goes on in the workplace, it's not easy. And so I want to be able to share some of my stories and some of my um, opportunities and failures, you know, throughout my career. Um, but ultimately, just providing some insight of someone who's been through uh, those experiences and, you know, just want to be that person to help uplift my community. Jesse, thank you so much. The vulnerability of that story and the college GPA and the remedial classes and where you are now reminds me that people should remember that while our failures can give us insecurities or situations like that could give us insecurities, it's not who we are now and we can always rise to be better. Um, those experiences have value and you got that value or lesson really early and made that pivot really early to, to get to where you are. So thank you for sharing that story. Um, wow. Um, it's success. We, we, we often think it's this really clear route to, from, from, go to high school, get to college, and then we get a big job. And it's, you, you've just demonstrated in a very, you know, authentic way that it's, it's never that it is. It's about the early failures, learning from those early failures, making adjustments along the way, and then being strategic about what you want to accomplish in your life or in your career. So Jesse, I want to thank you for being on the show um, I know I'm going to have you back because there's there's a whole bunch of other topics swimming in my head, I know. But thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. No, I really appreciate you and uh, giving me an opportunity to share my story. Cool. And so, folks, that's it. And until next time, walk good. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.